0: Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste.
1: So it's really great to see you today. Uh, I'm having a bit of a rough day, so I'm kind of I'm a little blue, and I think this talk is going to make everything all better. How are you doing today, Beverly?
0: I'm doing great. I uh, just finished my work week, so I'm happy about that, and I'm about to go out camping tomorrow. Well, and the most exciting thing, and I know that we're recording this in advance, obviously, because that's the way podcasting
1: works. The most exciting part about that is that you are off tomorrow, and it is a brand new federal holiday.
0: That's right.
1: Um, yeah. So as we record this, tomorrow will be the first federally celebrated Juneteenth, yes. which is really exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm happy about that. That's neat. That's when
1: Texas is celebrated for years, um, but it is it is amazing to see that move through Congress so quickly. It is yeah. obviously in no way the same as real systemic change, but it is one thing. It's not the right thing. It's not the whole thing. There is so much work that should be done. That is likely to be ignored by this Congress, but yeah, but it is one thing. So, so that's really neat. What have you been selling on?
0: Well, I have made a few things. I made another Ashton top and, you know, I really like that pattern because I think when Helen made this pattern she designed it to really teach people some things and it's got an all-in-one facing in it and it's got a hem binding and for a tank top that's that's a that, lot yeah, yeah it's a lot and it makes a really nice satisfying make not hard but just nice and finished and I made mine in this um fun Essex linen which is a blend of linen and cotton from Robert Kaufman and uh it's just I, I really like it. Tell me what you mean by fun. Oh, it's... or was that the linen and cotton? Was that the fun? <laughs> no, I mean, the print on it is fun. It's like, uh, okay. it kind of looks <laughs> like flowers, but it's abstract enough that the ones that are upside down don't look upside down. It looks more like circles. And anyways, it's a whitish gray background with navy blue print on it. I think Neat. that is,
1: that sounds really fun. So one of the things I'd like to ask you to do homework is the next time you make an Ashton top, give some thought to photographing or videotaping some of the steps and including sort of a summary with it. Do you know what I mean? So saying this is the all-in-one facing, which, you know. Well, did,
0: okay. So I posted on Instagram, a picture of it, but I. But words, you need words. Okay. Well, I did say. Talk it people through it, woman. woman. <laughs> but how- oh you mean how they do- how to do it yeah talk, sort oh. of talk it through give an explanation hmm. or even if
1: not that say hey this pattern's going to teach you something new okay okay in a beautiful and amazing way
0: yeah and
1: awesome. make the interesting fabric you make it out of have clowns on it <laughs> is that one ask too far i'm not sure i think that's one too many things <laughs> if you go to fabric.com and search on clown fabric you will find some amazing things that will make their way into my stash as soon as i have budgeted for them
0: okay okay
1: because okay. i'm feeling the need for clown fabric let me show you some clowns go to go to fabric.com and search on clown fabric that's okay. cotton and steel. come on that's amazing
0: yep we'll, um, put, it, we'll put a link in the uh, show notes for this Absolutely. If Jenny hasn't um, bought it all. No, I, I haven't yet. I have plans. What else are you making? Well, I made my PF represent item for June. Yeah. Yes. And it is the So Liberated Estuary Skirt. I think I saw this one and it was really cute. It is really cute. It's um, I made it with this navy colored um, linen from the <laughs> fabric store. And I explained all about their different linens on the last episode, but I also in my post on my Instagram, um, I've started when I use their linens, I've started to say which one it is based on their product number, because I think a lot of people are finding it confusing. So it is a little confusing. Mm -hmm. There's another ask for you. Here's what I'd love you to do. I want you to post on Instagram when they have a really good sale. <laughs> oh, the problem is they have a sale for one day or sometimes for certain hours. So you actually <sighs> have to be like on, like I can text okay. you, but I'm not going to say so get disappointed. So it's not super helpful for anyone else, but that text would really serve me well. Yeah. <laughs> All special. So, and, and some, uh, usually it's one particular color too. So it's not like. Yeah. It's like one thing, one color, and then also, if they have that sale for the like you only have to get one hundred and fifty dollars for a free shipping, I'll, I'll let you know. Awesome. so i've 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 signed up for their emails, but what I've found already is there are too many.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know myself well enough to know that within a month, I will have unsubscribed because it's too many. And sometimes so when you go to they unsubscribe, will. they let you summarize, right? They let you just take some emails or something, but
0: yeah, if, if they did that, though, it wouldn't help you if they have a, if they have a sale, because it's just one day, they don't give you any notice, but I'll do that labor for you, Jenny.
1: You are wonderful. You are wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's a really neat shop. I'm really interested in it, but oh my
0: gosh, I, I honestly, in the end, I think I'd rather pay full price than have to do the email. So. <laughs> well, that's also an option. It's not that expensive. It isn't. It's um, really nicely priced. I was looking it, for some linen somewhere else. Someone said, oh, this store has good linen. And I'm not going to say where it is because I'm not going to say something great, but I went to that place and I'm sure it's very, very high quality linen, but it was $30 a meter. And I was like, yeah. okay, I, I can't do that. I can't I, yeah. Yeah. maybe if I was making something super, super special, I could, but not for my everyday Yeah. and tank tops. For your
1: bum-around clothing. There's no, yeah, no call for it. I understand that completely. I have um, one of the shops I've mentioned before uh that I love mulberry silks over in the Raleigh Durham area in North Carolina. Um, they have a great email that goes out once a week and lists special items that they're featuring that week. And they carry a lot of really nice linens that are often in that sort of $20 to $35 range. And I've bought some, I I really love them, but they are, they are not my first pick for something I know I'm going to wear once or twice and then, and then give away.
0: Yeah. And I, I will say, you know, the, the linens that I, I think they're good quality, but I don't have a lot of experience that I could go by and really tell you if it's super high quality. There are some flaws in it sometimes, but those things don't bother me in linen. like to me, linen is a rustic fabric and I kind of like those little things. I have seen people mention that they don't, you know, they, they really don't like that. And if you want yours to be super pristine, maybe, I think they also do have like high, more high end stuff too at, um, the fabric store.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's true. I like my linen a little imperfect because I think that is part mm-hmm. of the fun of it. That's what you're, to me, that's part of what I'm buying it for
0: is those imperfections. Right. Um, so, so I hear you. What else have you made? Well, the last thing I'm going to talk about is these shorts I just made. Okay. Now I'm really excited about these for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, so they're called the glissando shorts. They're from love notions and they, they are similar to another pattern that I've made in the past that when I ever post on, if I post them on Instagram anymore, I always, I never use the name anymore because it's a size biased pattern and these are a good substitute for them. They have a similar look to them. So I had never made it though. I was just suggesting the pattern based on how it looked. And I made these shorts and they are very similar to that. And actually I prefer them, but I did have to make some adjustments. I will say that they're they're drafted, in my opinion, more for someone that has more curves in their hips than I do. Everything is drafted for someone with more curves in their hips than I do. But this seemed like when I put it on, when I first made it, like, I just made it straight Mm -hmm. out of the package to start with, and it kind of looked like I had those riding pants on, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So how all my pants look, but I have hips in them. Yeah. Um (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of looked funny that they were, like, there was a considerable amount. So um, I think for people who have a big difference I don't know about the actual measurements, how different I'm just saying what it looked on me. I needed to change that a bit. In fact, I needed to add a bit in, I made the size 16 at the waist and I still had to add a little bit in there. And then I had to shave quite a bit off of the, the hips on it, but I really like them and I'm going to make multiple pairs of them. They have a fly front Front pockets, back pockets, and the kind of front pockets that you like, like they have on jeans, you know? Yeah. Did you do the uh, exposed buttons on the front? Yes, I did. Awesome. And these
1: are, if I'm reading right, these are max 59.5 inch hip. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is great. And max 49.5 inch waist. Right. Just to give context on that. So mm-hmm. that's, that's really neat. Yeah. That's really neat. Well, I'm glad you have found something. That uh, seems like it would offer a good substitute for something you already love that isn't as size inclusive as you'd prefer. Right. So So that's great. And thank you for, I was just going to say thank you for continuing to be an ally on that. It's really neat to see it in action.
0: Yeah, well, it's a it's a nice nice pattern, easy to do, easy to substitute out. And I've made the changes on the pattern and I'm hoping like I'm actually going I sh- made changed them to the paper. So hopefully when I make the next pair it'll come up just right.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. That's a really good idea. I'm terrible for that. I'll make something make adjustments in it and I may not include I may not copy it to the paper i try really hard to remember to at least make notes but i don't always get it transferred to the paper so it's I'm it's so shocked. smart to How do that you make like 10 of them i do and for the most part it'll be off of like if i have a pattern piece where i'm like oh remember i need to lower the neckline by six inches or whatever it is i i hand write drop six inches on it rather than <laughs> cut it that way. I don't know why. I don't know what I think I'm I'm saving, like what integrity of the pattern I'm I'm maintaining through failure to make it right for me, but but <laughs> I'm I'm awful for it. I think the one exception to that for me is the Tarly Tea by Munna and Broad, which I have definitely cut alternative pieces for for the places I need to adjust. And I don't know why that is. I don't know what it is about that one pattern out of the hundreds Mm -hmm. of patterns I've made and the dozens that I've made repeatedly that caused me
0: to actually actually make the notes. And well, I have a question for you about sort of about this in your repeated patterns, some of them that you have so many times, (laughs) have you transferred, like I have one pattern that I've made the most of, and that is actually um, my underwear pattern. And that I have shifted to like this cardstock kind of, or card tack, you know, thicker stuff. So it's, so it doesn't get cut off every time I make it, you know, and get smaller and smaller and smaller. Do you do that with the patterns that you make all the time? I've always thought about doing it, but when I've gone out to find affordable
1: cardstock, it's not, it's not the right size for my body size. Right. So poster board, I could definitely do that when I'm doing that. Right. But When I've looked at it and considered it, especially for something, well, like underwear that I make constantly, Mm -hmm. I'm looking for something a little thicker, a little less likely to get hit by my rotary cutter than the the poster board is. And I have not found what I would want in the right sizing yet.
0: Well, here's another thing I'm going to do for you. When when we get together sometime in person, Mm -hmm. I'm bringing you some of my stash because I bought like a... It was like, you know, the same price to buy three pieces or to buy like a, a big box of it. Yeah. And I've used one piece. So I'll, cause you know, I don't make things more than once. Yeah, usually. I know. <laughs> you, you have a few you go on
1: about. So you yes. definitely have done the um, Ashton top repeatedly. I think you've done the March, 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 March top a few times now oh. too, but mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, underwear is the place I can see the most use for it because that, well, and until people stop making mask patterns, my mask pattern, mm. I just printed like eight copies of so that when I get one that I flip too much, I switch to a new one because <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware that I'm going to do that. So yeah, yeah I hear you. No, that's neat. And it is
0: a thing I've considered, but, um, but just haven't quite got to yet. Well, so. speaking of you making a million of things. What have you been working on?
1: Well, let's see. I've decided just to do unique dresses from now. No, wait. <laughs> I'm, I've am i been working on more Chris Wood's Parasol dresses. It's embarrassing how many I've made at this point. How many? It's just crazy. Let's see. So six plus eight plus three. So 17 at least. Oh and my the pattern's
0: goodness. been out less than a month. Um. So... <laughs> You've definitely made the most, like, even of all the samples she made, you've probably made the most. If I haven't, I'm coming close. As you know, as we started the episode, I was tearing up fabric
1: for the next one because one of my favorite parts about it is that I can tear instead of cut. Um, (laughs) Because everything I'm doing is woven and it has an even grain line and it's just so satisfying. To tear up the pieces of fabric as I move into this. So um, I'm working right now on another one that's made out of um, this really neat rainbow, black and white. It looks like, you know, if you had an intricately colored mosaic coloring book or an intricately drawn mosaic yes. coloring book, and yes. then you colored it in, in rainbow colors, right? Is that wax So that there's still some black and white. Sorry. Is it wax print? No, this one is just a free spirit quilting cotton. Oh, It looks, it looks a little like wax print. I know it does, doesn't it? But it's Uh not, it's just a basic quilting cotton. And I think it's going to be completely, completely lovely. Um, This is from their line that's called the spirit to create. I gathered from the selvage. So I'm really excited about that one. And I've got a bandana one and a silk one still for my video I want to do. And then I have one that's a black fabric that's covered all over with tacos. And I bought enough to do it, but it'll be the first one. Where I'm not doing the skirt along the selvage edge because the tacos would be the wrong way. Ah, and I think especially on a women's dress, if you do yeah. the tacos <laughs> up and down this way, it's a really bad idea. So I'm I'm gonna do. It's only 45 inches wide, so I'm gonna have to piece together to get the right width for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that seemed like a better option.
0: That's probably a better idea. <laughs>
1: so. So I'm going to do that with that one. Um, so I'm already planning multiples out, and right now I'm in a in a sew my stash period. So I'm oh. I'm working through a bunch of a bunch of stash stuff for this. So I'm I'm excited, um, and that's been a lot of fun. One of the things I wanted to talk about related to the dress, um, sort of is that we, uh, of course, made a post recently on punk frockers about diverse models. We've had a number of posts like that and the importance of trying to find representation and how patterns are presented to the world. And Chris Wood responded to one of those posts. And I wanted to kind of read what she said to make a different point and kind of maybe talk about this as a as a thing about representation. So Chris's comment was, great episode, but just a reminder from my own experience that you could be a brown person like me that is usually misidentified as white by others. That could also be true in the LGBTQ community. So there may be more diversity there that isn't totally obvious. And it's it's a solid point there. If it's not visible diversity, you're, you're not going to see it, presumably right. in the descriptor, unless... As is the case for incredibly few of these companies, there's a call out for the model that describes the model using their own words or their own terms, right? so you you may not spot it. and i and I get that because of course, i'm I'm bisexual, but it's not it's not an immediately there's no I don't have a glowing bee on my forehead or you know, or anything like that. And I've been married for thirty years, thirty one years, to a man mm-hmm. which doesn't in any way have anything to do with whether I'm bisexual or not but it leaves an impression. So I'm sort of an invisible LGBTQ person, right? right? I wouldn't be obvious in almost any picture you looked at of me. So it's it's a really solid point. The other thing that someone mentioned on that same thread was somebody or other's mom, and that's somebody underscore or underscore mother, others underscore mom, noted that she's been looking for indigenous representation and doesn't always find it, and wonders if that's possibly because some of that isn't visible either. And the question was raised, does, does invisible representation count? Right. And I, I think one of the things that's important to noi- note is that we're not really keeping a scorecard on this. What we're saying is it's important to find those designers that recognize the diversity of bodies in the world, right? And when you're talking about finding patterns that represent that diversity, visible diversity is the first thing you're going to see. That's the first thing you're going to notice. And unless the designer has made the effort to say, hey, we have models of all these categories. Here are links to some of them on their Instagrams or something similar Mm -hmm. that give you a self-defining place. Visible diversity is all that counts in terms of of what can be seen and shared in that way. So you, you have to have something that makes it possible for you to know that there's diversity there for you to recognize it.
0: It doesn't mean they aren't
1: diverse, though.
0: Right, that's true. And But I also think that, you know, everybody's looking to see themselves represented in advertising or whatever for for patterns in this case. And if you are a person that has an invisible diversity, then you already see yourself in the pattern. Um, The people who've traditionally been left out of those groups are people who are who have who are visibly black and fat and old differently not, abled yeah, yeah different yeah different gender you know um, presentation those are the people who've been left out and I guess that's why we set this up is because we were trying to call out specifically companies that were representing people who are, had been left out traditionally absolutely but i think i think the other thing that it's
1: really nice to learn about for example with chris wood pointing out that she's a brown person often misidentified as a white person yeah. that's a great opportunity to say oh awesome that's a piece of diversity we hadn't been able to see and now that we can we're we're absolutely glad to see that it's there and to be able to talk about it. And I think that's a place where talking about your models or linking to your models can Mm -hmm. be helpful in terms of understanding what the composition of your model pool is. I also think even having a statement on your About Us page that talks about how you select your model pool so that if there are invisible, like a lot of LGBTQ representation, invisible diversity that isn't, is available that people should be able to see in your pool, but may not because of the nature of the diversity that having that thing that says it's important to us that when we put out a model call, we're asking for people of all, all stripes. I think that could be really important.
0: Yeah, that really is important because, so I started because of this challenge, actually, I started. And when I noticed that there weren't many disabled Sewists represented on patterns. I started trying to look for more um, disabled representation, even on int- Instagram. Right. And there's a hashtag that I follow that is um, hashtag disabled sewist, disabled sewing. Sorry. And what I noticed right away is that most of the people on there are not visibly disabled, and actually. I think most of the disabled people in the world are not visibly disabled. And so I'm finding it very interesting on Instagram to find out the challenges that people with different kinds of abilities have when they're sewing. And so I think that would be really interesting to find out more information about the models that are used in pattern companies.
1: I, I love that idea. And it's um it's it's definitely true that you have, especially in that, I, I think in the, the disabled category, there are definitely a lot of disabilities that impact your ability to sew or access patterns that, that may not be visible. We talked previously at least a little bit about some of the visual disabilities that can prevent you from having good access yeah. to patterns, especially depending on how they're printed, where you have enough visual acuity to cut out your patterns and sew and do all these other things, but colorblindness can have an impact there um, an inability to distinguish between different tones of grays can have an impact there. Yeah. Um, and that's leaving aside other types of not typically visible disabilities related to pain pain or pain management related to yeah. ADHD or other, other disabilities that prevent you from focusing in the way you may need to, to be a successful sewist making it something that gives you a higher bar for entry and completion so yeah, I,
0: I think it would be it would be really nice actually if if pattern companies did provide more information on the models because like I've said w- we found out some information last on our last episode we talked about different models and then I went on their Instagram and I learned so much about them and I found it very interesting but I also think that lots of connections can be made there whether it's you know you find out somebody, went to the same college as you did, you know, or something that that brings you yeah. a connection with the person. I personally am a sober person. If I found out that a model was sober and a soist or I would want to follow them. And but I I would I don't necessarily need that for representation. Um like I don't think that oh more sober people need to be models. I just would find a connection with that person. So even just for that it's worth it. Yeah, and
1: it's it's definitely it's definitely helped me it's a place where i found some communities that are 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 different and tips because being open about the places where where you are diverse where you have intersectionality that may or may not be visible is also really helpful and for me it's it's my hearing loss that that i really find has brought people who aren't fat, who aren't specifically my fat sewing community, into my DMs to talk to me about where they where they see struggles there, or advice for what type of hearing device I might try affordably. Super important word. Next, and and things like that. So it's it's definitely opened up some avenues for me personally, just on on that one area. And of course, one of my favorite things that I've discovered is the uh, the queer sewing community. Yeah. Uh, which I would never even have thought to look for uh, <laughs> on a local level. And it's it's definitely been exciting to see. So,
0: Well, so, yeah. I think we ought to talk also about some ways that people can diversify their Instagram feed. Because actually, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that my Instagram feed was not very diverse up until maybe six months ago or so, where I started... Adding different people into it. And I think that what happens is you find someone like you and you follow them. And then that leads you to follow other people that are like them, which are also like you. For me, I want to see a lot more diversity, Mm -hmm. not just people like me. Absolutely. I, I really enjoy the diversity that I have in my feed. I will say, when I
1: started on Instagram, I almost immediately moved. To a diverse space. I started looking for bodies that were like mine, but also bodies that were completely different than mine um, with different aesthetical choices. So I'm not just looking for people who like bright, flashy prints or so quickly, or believe the only good zipper is a dead zipper or any of that stuff. I'm looking for a wide variety of things out there as representation. And I've, I've known that from the start in part, because that's how I get my inspiration and always have for the clothing items I wanna make. I see them on a runway, or I see them on a grandma at Target, or I see them anywhere else and think, oh, I wanna remember that color when I get home so I can find it, or wow, I've never thought about a skirt that had shorts attached under it and didn't close in the front, that'd be cool, or any of these other types of things. So I've always done that, but part of it may start with the fact that I'm not the normal body, (laughs) <laughs> to begin with. So if I wanted to see me, I had to find hashtags. Right. And one of the first ones I found was Curvy Sewing Collective. And that of course is a um, a website as well, a very active website and, a, and an active Facebook group as well, where sewists who are curvy, which is self-defining Okay. So it can be my younger daughter, for example, is petite, but she has, she has my bottom in a smaller scale. So <laughs> a significant hip to waist ratio. They, the pants would not look like riding pants on her, those shorts. <laughs> They'd look like shorts, just normal. Cause there'd be hips in them because that's, that's her figure. And so she would be curvy. She might not feel comfortable in that group because it is largely fatter bodies, Mm -hmm. but there are smaller bodies for sure, including some smaller bodies that probably don't fit in a standard, standard definition or taxonomy of, of fatness, right? Like a size 10, 12 or something similar. So there's, there is some variety in there though, again, largely what I see are, are fatter bodies there. Um, But that was one of the first places I found. And that led me to fat psoas, (laughs) uh, which I love because I, I like the word fat um it mm-hmm. makes people uncomfortable and i think it's a good word i think words that make people uncomfortable can have can have power for the person that's that is represented by that word so so yeah those are two of my favorites
0: well and we've already talked before about so over 50
1: oh my gosh yes and i i really like so over 50
0: is that a and that i i
1: don't even remember how i came across it like it had to be somebody shared a thing,
0: or someone I follow got shared, and then I thought, "Oh, there are old soists. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome." Which yeah. is so funny because probably most soists are over fifty. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's
1: it is it is pretty funny to me, but I love it. And one of the things I really respect about it is the extraordinary diversity of soists over fifty. You yeah. see all everything I could imagine I'd want in diversity in that space. So, so it's, it's interesting. And some of the most creative makes that I've ever seen as well, things where, where, man, I, I do not understand how you are not a designer, except that it's probably not what you want to be. So good on you for not falling into that trap, but, (laughs) but it's, it's really neat to see what they come up with.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I also love that um, when you use that hashtag, they often will comment on your, your makes and it's always so positive and it really, do you smile every yes. time? I
1: literally smi- smile, I'm reading it and my grin breaks out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely uplifting. I, I love that. I think they've done a really great job of, of creating a community in that way
0: so there's a few on here. You, do you, you follow black makers? I do. And it's not just
1: sewists. So yeah, I figured. (laughs) Um, and that's, that's partly because like you, I do a huge variety of crafts. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that I, that I do that are not, that are not sewing clothing for myself. I don't picture as many of them on Instagram because I, I feel like, I have one thing that I want to put out there, which is all about body positivity and, and uh, combating fat bias and things like that. And that the, the time that I spend beating something isn't necessarily representative of that. So I tend not to, to post about that as much. My Instagram is pretty much my sewing thing or my fat uh, fat bias thing, but, um, but I do other I things check. like that.
0: You put Sorry? some knitting
1: out there sometimes. I do, but I think that falls to me in the sewing category. It's garment making. <laughs> yep. Garment making. Yeah. And I, I do a very little of that, but I'm not likely to show up with my, you know, my beading or my painting as often it'll happen occasionally, but not as often as I do it. I yeah. do it more often than it shows up on the feed by far. Um, but I, I like that because it's, um, it's another place where I feel like you're sort of, subverting a, um, a bias that I will have grown up with because as someone who was growing up crafting my whole life, I knew very few black makers. Mm. I knew black people. Mm -hmm. I didn't know many that were makers. And I don't know, I I don't know that I would have thought, oh, well, that doesn't seem like a thing that I've seen Mm -hmm. the people I know do. But as I, as I grew to adulthood or to the point I am now in adulthood, at any rate, I realized, oh, you know what? I think I have, I think I have an unconscious picture in my head that this isn't the norm. And so I need to normalize it. I need to have that be a thing that I see more of. So I can be like, oh yeah, of course that's a thing that happens. Why wouldn't that happen? I don't understand why I ever thought it was a weird thing. It's not a weird thing. It's a normal thing. Kind of like women scientists or <laughs> any of these other things that, that are super normal things. But if you grew up in a space, you may not have been accustomed to seeing. So, so yeah, that's one of the ones that I do as well.
0: Yeah, I think there's actually um, in Baltimore, I think there's a pretty good black sewing community. I've only been really in sewing since the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to go to these things, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and I hear them say, oh, I live in Baltimore. And I think, oh, you're in Baltimore too. You're in Baltimore too. So hopefully soon I'll be able to meet up with these people in person. Yeah, as a tangential side note to that. I
1: keep thinking that I want to start something like Western Western North Carolina Fat Sewists or something. Only I want a better name for it. I want a local sewing club that's for fat people and, mm-hmm. and that deals with the unique kind of challenges and approaches that you have there. So that when we decide to have a day where we're measuring bodies, we have tapes that are more than 60 inches long. When we want to have a class that we teach on a sewing pattern, it doesn't stop at 46 inches. Yeah, I, I feel like I want a club of like-minded people. And I don't even know if there are enough like-minded people for a club like that. Hmm. So I'm kind of interested in that. That's something I may explore as the pandemic winds down perhaps towards the end of this summer. Yeah. Because it sounds neat.
0: What are some of the other tags you follow? Well, I... I started following, um, I told you the disabled sewing one, but I also Mm -hmm. follow fat sewing club and I follow black sewist. Sorry. I I think you follow so queer too. Don't you? I know I I do. do. Yes. I I love so queer. queer. I do too. I, uh,
1: I ran across the so queer tag and whatchamacallit, now I'm blanking on what they're called, uh, the ID on, um, Instagram. And I was just looking to see if I could find some more of my labels because I've ordered labels from them oh, me uh, too. several times. And so I've got those. my little made with pride labels. Yep. I have those, which <laughs> I love. Um, my favorite use of made with pride. I put them on the Simba Lion King themed oh. Chris Woods dresses I made for my daughter, granddaughter, and I on the back, they say made with pride, because I do those exposed labels often. That's and awesome. I thought that is a pun. And it's true. So yes. I thought that was really awesome. So <laughs> um, so I've definitely enjoyed enjoyed that. In addition, while we're talking about hashtags, one of the things I want to make a point of is that for these hashtags or any others that you follow and feel free to link us some of those hashtags we should be following. Yes. One of the keys to those hashtags working is people making things and using the tags. Mm -hmm. And that means you, I am talking to anyone listening to this who falls into any diverse category. If you want to see more of that in the world, try to be some of that visibility too, because it starts there. Mm -hmm. The reason that I'm a part of this community. The reason that I put my makes up the way I do is because when I started a year and a half ago, I wasn't finding the bodies, my size that I wanted to find and be able to see in the sewing community. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to be the body that's out there showing off the pattern Mm -hmm. because I can because I'm this size and I want to know what it looks like on a body this size. So surely someone else wants to know that. I can't be the only one. And I started putting it out there. And through people commenting and other things, I found other people to follow and I found hashtags and I've continued to do it. But I think that's an important part of how, how you build representation is that people decide one at a time that they're going to take that chance and be representative themselves.
0: I think that's great. And I also, I have a question for you. So, okay. Another thing that you do is you, you, you put your measurements on there to help people to know, okay, that's what someone with these measurements looks like in this. Yeah. Okay. So I'm wondering, I don't put measurements on mine because I don't think anyone cares because I'm a straight size sewist And I'm not sure that it matters, but maybe I should have them. I'm going to argue that it does matter because you know what
1: one of the diverse groups we haven't talked about yet is tall people. Oh, (laughs) I'm I'm not kidding. I'm I'm genuinely not kidding. You have to make adjustments to your garments based on Uh length and you learn about those and you mention them. You'll say I've added three inches to this or something similar, but if someone doesn't have context, if you were five foot one and having to add three inches to this, that's a whole different adjustment than if you're five foot nine and have to add three inches to it. Right. So yes. it might be worth mentioning, but beyond that, I'm sure that you've gone off and looked at garments on straight size. sewists and not been sure if that would be your result because bodies are all different, right? You have a different waist to hip ratio, different right. busts to chest to waist to hip. Yeah. Then, a lot of other sewists that's true but someone out there is looking for their body double and you could be it and i think it normalizes the idea that measurements are just numbers okay that's so i i think there's benefit there but i see I, um, i may be wrong
0: i i think i i get your point on this i before i wasn't sure like if if that was necessary or not But I think that I think you have a good point. And I also think that, you know, I do generally try to talk a little bit about what I did with it, although I I don't put as much information as I could in the Instagram Mm -hmm. post. But it would be more relevant if I said, you know, if I'm saying, oh, I graded between these two sizes, it would be very helpful to know what my measurements are. It also kind of
1: gives you an idea when we talk about the fact that patterns end at, say, a 46-inch hip for the big four. A lot of them do. If if I know what size your hips are exactly. and other people do, it gives you an idea of how limited that range is. Right. There have been patterns you've made in the past where you've been pretty close to the top. Yeah. And yeah. that's crazy. And if people get that context, that can also help straight size sewists to understand why fat sewists are so fucking pissed (laughs) 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 or frustrated or whatever you want to call it. Right. So I I think it's relevant. I, I generally it is. And, and for me, part of it as well, because my numbers are so big in some spaces, my hips particularly is a larger than average number. It, it helps to rob them of their power. Once you see them repeated so often in different spaces and understand that its whole purpose is just to tell you, how the paper and how the fabric are going to flow around your body, right? It's not about good hips or bad hips. It's about relative sizes and how it, how it informs how that garment will flow on you. So I think it's, it's a good thing to add. I don't think it's, you know, mandatory for anybody, but I think it's beneficial. I know I get a lot of folks who follow me who mention that they're there because they can see my measurements and they know that means they've got a good shot of understanding how that would fit on their body.
0: Yes. Yes, that's right. And I guess because I consider myself like sort of overrepresented in pattern companies and, you know, in sizes that people generally use, I didn't think that it was, it was that helpful, but, but I, but I see your point. Yeah. And I would think
1: that I could name a few sewists that I know their measurements are similar to mine because they've shared them. Mm -hmm. You probably can't name very many sewists where, you know, they're the same body size that you are. Because there's no context there. And I I know with fat bodies, and I'm sure it's the same with smaller bodies, how I'm standing facing the camera, like I try and make sure I do enough three-quarter views and half side views that you can tell I'm actually much deeper than I am wide. (laughs) That sounds so weird, but I protrude more to the front than I do to the side, even though I have really big ass hips. I I go more from front to back than I do side to side. And it, it changes how I look. And I've seen other fat sewists that I later find out are my size, but the way they photograph, they either look much smaller or much bigger, Mm -hmm. which isn't a judgment. It's just, I would not look at them and think, oh, I I bet I could wear what they're wearing because the way their fat falls, same measurements, but it looks different. Right. (laughs) And I have to imagine that's true for all bodies. Yeah. So anyway, the big point was make sure you find those tags and you use them yourself. And if you aren't
0: posting your own pictures yet, give it some thought. I want to also talk about some individual accounts that have changed my perspective on things. When you and I first started this, we talked about wanting to do um, be as inclusive as possible, not just about size, about everything, you know, and try to use language where people wouldn't feel left out, language that affirms people in whatever their gender is, race, everything. Yep. And one of the things that I confess to you at that time is for a long time, I struggled a bit to understand gender nonconformity. And when I changed my Instagram feed, I found that I can learn something new. Being over 50 doesn't mean that you cannot <laughs> learn to use pronouns in a different way than you used them before. And what I found especially helpful is I follow a few people that post often who have post stories and IGTV and I get used to hearing different pronouns and all different gender presentations and it has normalized it for me so that I... Can understand. I don't think you have to understand in order to treat people nicely, but I think that it's also good to understand people from all different backgrounds. And now that I have, in a short period of time, actually listen to different people it's made me feel a bit ridiculous for struggling in the past with it you know it feels so normal and so natural and the one person i'd really like to uh, mention about this if is at the jeffrey marsh and this is not sewing related but jeffrey Marsh is a wonderful non-binary activist a very supporting person They produce a lot of content every day, several things. And some of it is directed to people like me who are just learning. And some of it is directed to uplifting other non-binary folks. And it is all wonderful. And I highly recommend, do you follow Jeffrey Marsh? I absolutely do. It is the highlight
1: of many days for me to listen to their daily lives are amazing. And I often, when I say listen, they're all captioned. And I often read the captions rather than actually listening. So while I've heard their voice a couple of times, for the most part, I'm reading the content instead.
0: Yeah, I find that I do both. But Jeffrey has the most wonderful voice. And I agree when I've heard it
1: very wonderful.
0: Yeah, they're so soothing and just make me feel good whether they're talking to me or not. (laughs) (laughs) And and I agree. I, I tend to read them all the way
1: through even when the topic isn't directed specifically for me because it's just... It's so positive and uplifting, even when they're responding to critiques or criticisms that appear in their feed, because they'll get negative comments periodically. Yes. And the, the responses are so wholesome and kind and loving that it's, it's hard to understand how you could have a, a bad word to say.
0: Yeah. And I think that watching those sorts of videos helps build compassion And understanding in everybody who's watching it. I agree. A hundred percent. That's that I only discovered them three or four months ago, maybe. Yeah. And so
1: it's, it's relatively new for me, but so valuable.
0: Do you have any other, is there any individual accounts that you'd like to call out? So I think that you and I follow a lot of, a lot of the same accounts,
1: (laughs) And one of the ones that I I really love is Mr. Domestic, who is a crocheter and quilter and sewist and uh, knitter (laughs) and just all the things, all the things. And I... I really appreciate the positivity there. Um, they've recently released a fabric line that includes uh, name tags and rainbow colors with pronouns and different languages all over it that I'm dying to get my hands on. They, they have a lot of really good activist content that's aimed at the LGBTQ community, but also at the black community, the Asian community, and other diverse communities. I think if I was gonna have the tiniest tiniest bit of criticism, of the account. It's that the the hashtags they use are still all lowercase, which can be harder to process for many people. And when they've been asked about changing that, have have not shown any interest in having that accommodation. Wow. So the tiniest, tiniest bit of uh, criticism there. But generally speaking, I find this account to be um, just a delight, a delight to follow.
0: So a new one for me, another non-sewing related one is, and I don't even know if I'm saying this right, is Shuglet. Have you followed that account? I have not, but I'm going to go find it. Okay. So this account is not sewing related. It is a very fat artist who posts. There's two accounts. The one that I'm talking about is uh, photography that's done with very fat bodies and in various states of dress, sometimes dressed, sometimes undressed. And one of the things that I think is important about it is that especially having grown up when we did, and even now, but especially when we were growing up, I think there was so much shame around fat bodies. And this account really shows all different fat bodies and really um, has changed my view of beauty. And I, I love that account. I I
1: think that is is I've just pulled over and looked at it and I think that's really true and I think historically you are absolutely um, correct that there's been a lot of it's felt very hard to see large bodies in positive light. I will note that one of my favorite one of my favorite photographers of fat bodies is the late lamented Leonard Nimoy. Oh, really? Who had yes. You you want to google it. Um, Leonard Nimoy spent uh some of his time post star star trek I was about to say star wars please do not send me comments on this I know (laughs) the difference I had my very own Spock doll during the original series so I just don't want to hear about it but he uh, uh after that time period was a fabulous black and white photographer primarily of fat bodies of um fat bodies as beautiful and there's a coffee table book there's some other things around that and that was that was really out there at the time in terms of a representation
0: that's really interesting too because he's very thin
1: yes absolutely Mm -hmm. one of the other accounts I'd like to call out is and I'm going to say it completely wrong it's a v menon a-L-O-K-V-M-E-N-O-N. This is a uh, author, performer, speaker, and fashionista. They uh, have written a book called Beyond the Gender Binary and are very outspoken about the idea that style has no gender, that that all of these things are really important um, for queer rights, also for very hirsute rights. So the
0: idea that hair is normal mm. and that if you are a very hairy person. Okay. I think this is really, we've got to get back into this because something happened with women like 10 years younger than us or so (laughs) where they shaved off everything. (laughs) So if you go check out this, uh, this feed,
1: one of the things that is so amazing about it is the number of pictures that you have with a very hairy body. This is a very hairy person. Specifically talking about how um, how hair is just hair. It's not a thing we should be afraid of or biased against or any of these other things. And so it's it's in, incredibly. I, I think it's an uplifting account. Um, generally speaking, I think it's it's a very very uplifting account with also some really amazing garments that I would love to own myself. So, <laughs> and this is, this is one of my favorite accounts for getting me into a space that, that shows me things that aren't normally on my feed. So I, I, uh, I love it. I recommend it highly. So in addition, there's friend of the show, Eronica B. Cole or needle in the bell. And that's yes. bell B-E-L-L-E. Yes. Like a Southern bell. Absolutely. And uh, that's a very uh, wonderful, fat positive,
0: black positive account. Just a whole lot of honesty and a whole lot of beauty. That's true. Terrence Williams, who is also on our show, he Uh, has a great account. Absolutely. So much glam and style there
1: and such a self-accepting and other loving expression of that. I think it's it's truly beautiful, just really amazing to follow and 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 enjoy. I know that we've also got uh, rare device, who is of course the founder of So
0: Queer. Well, and I also have to say something about Rare Device. Okay, first of all, Shannon has recently started making dollhouses. Oh my god, and they're so amazing. Did you see that um little cuckoo cuckoo? box? Oh, I know god, so Oh my god! And she has guinea pigs, but I used to raise guinea pigs. I do love them. Yeah, and she also (laughs) she grows mushrooms herself. Okay, so mushrooms are gross, but that's exciting that she grows
1: them. So gross, so gross, so good. Mushrooms are. I read an article. No, maybe it was an Instagram (laughs) or or like a meme (laughs) that mushrooms are basically the one thing on the planet that we can't explain by something else on the planet. That they. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, they're, that they're the, if you had to pick a thing that it was going to turn out aliens dropped off on earth, it would be. Mus-
0: <laughs> That's horseshit. No, <laughs> it is not horseshit, that I read that somewhere. <laughs> We're getting kind of punchy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're not my favorite thing is what I'm going to say. Mushrooms are not for me.
0: <clears throat> okay. One thing before we, before we get to some of our little ending housekeeping things, I did want to ask you about something. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're really, this is not going to surprise anybody. Jenny's much better at social media than me. Um, (laughs) If you get a response to anything on the Punk Frogger's account, it's because of Jenny and not because of me. And also our personal accounts, I just, I don't really do as much as you do. But one thing I think you're great at is featuring folks in your stories. And so I have a few questions about that. Absolutely. I'm going to be so disappointing, but go ahead. Okay. I want to know how you decide on who to feature. Do you um, choose people who like do you try to get like people from all different groups or just something you think is pretty that you so I do a little bit of both so the the I'm always gonna feature something where I spin
1: by it and think, oh my God, that's amazing. I'm gonna pop something like that up right away if I happen to spot it okay um, sometimes I'll make a comment on it sometimes it's just a bunch of hearts. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on exactly where I am in my day, but I'm always going to put something like that up. But because my feed is so diverse, I'm often flipping through and thinking, oh my God, that's an amazing queer make. I need to post that because of what it is, because it represents a thing that I want to see more of in the world. So I'm going to share it with everyone I know and hope that some of them also think they'd like to see more of it in the world. So I do a little bit of both. It's, it's things that tickle my fancy and then it's things where I think, oh, and there's representation here that needs to happen. Um, I particularly love it when I run across something in my feed and I look and the person has a couple hundred followers and it it needs amplification in my opinion. It's something where it's like, oh, more people deserve to see this and a way I can help make that happen is by sharing it because i think sometimes people look at stories.
0: Yeah, that's true. And also i like how stories will link back to the account and then i go yes. and follow those people. So that's actually very helpful. But then the next thing i want to do is ask you so if i wanted to do that, if i wanted to make, you know, share things with people like that, would i ask them first? Like what's the what's the etiquette? So- I can only speak to what I've
1: experienced with my things being shared and what I do when I share others. I would say probably 5% of the shares that people do of my stories or of my posts are ones where someone first messages me or posts in the comments of my post and says, Do you mind if I share this? So maybe one out of 20, that's how it happens. And the same is true for how I share things. For the most part, I'm sharing. Now, if I go to someone's account and I can see it's a private account or I can see it's an account where there's something about it that tells me you probably aren't interested in having that spotlight. I'm not going to do it, but I generally don't ask generally. I I'm not sharing. So it's important to note. I'm not sharing a thing to say, man, did you see how badly this person right. hemmed their of course. garment? <laughs> of course, I of am course. only sharing to celebrate. Yes. And so I think that's important to note, but my experience has been that I do not get asked and I do not generally ask. So I think if there is etiquette around it, it hasn't made it to me yet. And so for me, I use kind of what I would consider to be the the normal way I would try and share things I heard from others. If I can share it by adding positivity to it or by otherwise amplifying the good that I see in it, that's a great thing to share. If I can only share it by tearing something down, I'm gonna think twice. And there might be a circumstance where I would, but for the most part, I'm I'm not gonna, because we're all people trying to make our way in the world doing a good right. thing. An exception to that might be if for some reason I saw some sort of horrible sewing thing happening that I needed to share and say, hey, this is a crock of crap, and people should know about that. And I've I've done a little bit of that type of sharing where I amplify somebody saying, look how badly I was treated by this designer or how negatively I feel about this. But for the most part, it's always uplifting. And that's that's kind of the purpose, right, is to to improve the community, not to tear it down. So, and I, I recommend it most often when I share something, people comment back and say, thank you, or, you know, or hearted, or, you know, do one of those yeah. little reactions or something. And occasionally my all-time favorite reaction is,
0: oh my God, I'm fangirling because you shared. It. I think, this is not that big a
1: deal. I am really not, not I'm nobody, but, but thank you. You made me smile. And so, You know, I figure we traded a smile for a smile in that scenario. So it works out quite well. So yeah, I love that. Shall
0: we housekeep? I think we should housekeep.
1: Awesome.
0: We've got some exciting sponsors for this month. We do. I'm so
1: excited about it. Our first sponsor is, uh, is, I'm going to mention it now because we're going to mention it so many times over the next three months. This sponsor is actually... Over the entire three-month PF Represent Challenge, at the end of three months, so June, July, August, we will have, are you ready for this, a $150 gift certificate to a fabric shop. Yay. And we're going to link that in our show notes because unless unless Beverly's hiding a really good French accent, which is what I think is needed here, um, we have a fabric so- shop I'm going to mispronounce the crap out of. it's Le Atofe maybe E T O F F E is there La, a, a to-
0: well you wrote it here but you didn't put any accents on it so I didn't
1: put an accent I put an apostrophe
0: uh, that wouldn't <laughs> yeah that's between the L and the E but um I meant that you don't have any accents on either of the E's so I don't know if it should be uh, let off or oh i like that that sounds very sophisticated in any case it's spelled real glad that they sponsored us when we can oh my god it's l-e-t-o-f-f-e fabrics.com and then um and this anybody can get this because the they ship internationally and so this would be very exciting it absolutely is.
1: And uh, they have a number of fabrics I would also like to purchase right now. So it's definitely a worthwhile place to go ahead and take a look at. It is it is completely gorgeous. They have some vintage fabrics as well as other types of fabrics, notions, trims, etc. So I, I think cool. everybody will really appreciate the opportunity to out. shop here.
0: Okay. And then what do we have for our June winner? our June winner. So we'll always have multiple prizes. So
1: we should make that note right now. But the other amazing thing we have that I think is particularly great for PF Represent is an ebook by um, one of my favorite designers. This is an account you should be following. This is Brooke Camper, And the ebook is called Figure It Out. And this is a book to help you take a dress form and pad it out appropriately to match your body.
0: Oh, cool!
1: Which is a really neat thing to be able to do. And Brooks Ann Camper, if you haven't followed her or seen her yet, her big thing is making uh, custom couture wedding dresses. Wow! And they are they are simply stunning, and they are they are built through a series of interviews and fittings and. Tests, sews and so forth, and she goes into a lot of detail on that on her blog and in her Instagram after the weddings have, of course, been completed so Mm -hmm. that the dress can be shared, but it can involve brides of any size and shape, and the unique challenges associated with bringing that bride's vision to the forefront. In addition, uh, Brooks Ann has done just some really neat sewing for herself. I met her at the first Frocktails event, the one that brought me back to sewing. Oh, that's um, I met her at that event and she was wearing a dress that she had pieced together from dyed fabrics and gradations of a pinky purpley color um, just perfectly. It was it was such a simple dress that was so stunning, especially when as a sewist, you knew what went into it. Yeah, what had to be involved in the under underpinnings of the dress, as well as the actual outer garment of the dress itself. So the opportunity to give this ebook out from Brooksan is is just amazing. So that's exciting. In addition, of course, we'll always have some other prizes. Um, those are not ready to be revealed as yet. And I'd remind you that if you'd like to sponsor a prize on an upcoming episode, just let us know by DMing us or emailing us. We'd be delighted to hear about it. And we'll continue to remind you of the amazing prizes we have coming up uh, every week or two as well. So that'll be awesome.
0: What's our other piece of business? Do you want to share the next one? Yes, I do. Please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting service. It helps others to find us. So here is our latest review. Nicole Angel says... I just started listening this weekend and I am hooked. Jenny and Beverly are funny, energetic, and relatable. They also don't shy away from tough topics like size inclusivity for the comfort of their listeners. These are discussions that need to be heard as much as the fun stuff. It's all part of the sewing community.
1: That's like a super good commentary on us because I think it's, I think it's really your vision when you wanted to start a community sewing podcast was exactly what Nicole Angel has called out here.
0: Yeah, I think, I think this is exactly, I think we're doing what we wanted to do, which was in our, to do our best to include the most people possible in a Absolutely. sewing community. And so I think that's amazing. And I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's working. I know
1: I am finding the sewing community to feel more welcoming to me. And I think some of that is a consequence of the conversations that we've had participated in and started. So.
0: Well, I also think that other people have found, um, the sewing community more welcoming because of you, Jenny. So, um, I'm just one fat sewist trying, (laughs) but that, but that's awesome.
1: And it is, I mean, as I say regularly, it is why I share my makes is because I didn't see what I needed to see. So I put it out there. So maybe other people would find it to be useful. I think that's really important. And I appreciate every time a fat sewist comes across my Instagram, I think, thank you, because that makes it easier for me to see myself in the community. So it's definitely good.
0: Keep watch, because we have some guests coming to talk about representation. Elisa Lex from By Hand London is coming next week to talk to us. So
1: excited.
0: Yes, me too, about representation. And I think, um, I'm really glad she's coming now, and maybe this is why also, but um, she's talking to, I want to talk to her about those new patterns, because
1: 100%. i'm excited too because it's going to be my best opportunity to find out when there's going to be a new jenny pattern (laughs) Uh, we're gonna get a jenny pattern somewhere we are we are oh my gosh it's gonna happen i don't think i'm probably actually gonna bring that up because wow but uh,
0: (laughs) but i am so excited But this would be the best opportunity because you could totally put her on the spot right (laughs)
1: And that's absolutely what we're trying to do with all of our guests. I do love the pattern that was released today with the double layer skirt and the beautiful fitted bodice. That is just stunning and i think it will be equally wonderful as a skirt and as a dress so i'm looking forward to uh sew your stash summer sponsored by uh beverly baptiste being (laughs) over so i can buy patterns again because somehow i fell into the sew your stash summer which i did
0: not mean to do (laughs) (laughs) well you only make one pattern so you don't need (laughs) any (laughs) more and in addition just so that you know that i'm
1: not cheating when i come up with a new pattern This has been in my house. It's heavy, filled with patterns for a month and a half. All right. And I haven't opened it yet. (laughs) And so I am not far away from where I will start sewing these because it's not, it's, I didn't buy it recently. I've had it. Oh yeah. It says since March. So I should totally be allowed to sew those. I just haven't opened them. Of course, of course. So I'm just proving it because I know that you're going to arrest me or something if I did it wrong. So yeah. Anyway, thank you guys for listening in. Um, I assume a lot of this will be cut. So if it's a 10 minute episode, sorry. Um,
0: (laughs) And we will see see you next next Tuesday. Tuesday. Punk Rockers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.